paid actor portrayal. I didn't see it coming. Life can be so unpredictable. After losing my dad, it made me think about my family if something were to happen to me. The mortgage, car payments, and all the other bills. Even things like our annual summer vacation would be out of reach. I had heard about life insurance through Ethos and how easy it was to get coverage. They were right. I knew it was time to stop putting it off and get life insurance right now. I got on my computer and went to ethoslife.com. In just 10 minutes, I was covered. And boom, family protected. Thanks to Ethos, my family won't have to worry about the bills if the unpredictable happens to me. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at ethoslife.com slash audio. That's ethoslife.com slash audio. Today we're joined by the owner of Gymshock, Ben Francis, an owner of a company worth over a billion dollars. When I first went to the gym at 16, I was so self-conscious. I was the skinny kid and I would go in and I'd do a bicep curl or a bench press and I'd think, oh my God, everyone's looking at me. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Am I lifting enough weight? Gymshark was for the gym kid that I was. Mm. So it was about aesthetics, it was about lifting, it was about biceps, it was about abs, it was all that sort of thing. Whereas now we're so much more than that. You've changed when I look at the Instagram. You see people who are lean, shredded. I didn't see how I fitted into that. A lot of the men on there feel like still I'll never, too unattainable. Just godlike, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like naturally unattainable at yeah. least. I had to be a little bit arrogant, a little bit egotistical. I had to have a clear vision. I almost had to grab the business, almost kicking and screaming to where I wanted it to go. There were times I was a complete and a knob and it could be a zip or a material or a color that's just not quite there. And to someone else, it might not be as important, but to you, it could be the most important thing in the world, particularly in that moment. Basically, our website crashed on Black Friday and we were charging people that we didn't know were you know, meant to have stuff. We were sending out stuff to people that hadn't had their card charged. It was everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. That was really, really tough. You guys had a bit of a uh, sticky moment earlier in the year. Imagine a brand supporting body positivity and Black Lives Matter bothering you. So you have some comments like this. What about blue lives? And Gymshark had commented back. Yes, can't wait for Avatar 2. The social media team at the moment, they're all UK based. So they didn't truly understand the context, comment right. or the context. Yeah. And it's not what we believe, right? It was mm. just a rogue comment. I, uh, yeah. I was having death threats by the minute. You feel that sinking feeling as mm. soon as you see something else that comes mm. well, back. When you've got people saying, next time you're in America, I'm going to blow your head off. It's mm. like, wow, everything that happens at Gymshark is ultimately my responsibility. Welcome back to the True Geordie podcast. It's been a while. Today we're joined by the owner of Gymshark, the sponsor of the True Geordie podcast. How good's that? Wow. Yeah. I ben. didn't think we'd ever say that. Wonderful to have you. Thanks, yeah, for thanks for having me. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Ben Francis is mm. his name, and he's officially an owner of a company worth over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which Just, is crazy. It's, it's so weird. Is that still weird? It, to be honest, it doesn't really feel real. Mm. Um, I don't spend too much time thinking about it. Obviously, it's been sort of out now for a, a few months. 
Um, but yeah, it's a very odd feeling. It must take a while to actually mentally adjust to that. It might take it might take you a couple of years to mm. get r- around that. And also because you're a shareholder, it's not like you've got the actual money in your hands. Yeah. It's like you know, you just keep going, keep going, keep going. It's fugazi, that, fugazi. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that not like, is that your mentality at this point? Like, I just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't stop because if you stop and admire the work, all of a sudden you become complacent or it slows down or it stops. Yeah. And I, I mean, to be completely candid with you guys, when, so when the whole deal went through, mm. as it was going through, obviously I had sort of visibility on sort of the valuation and so on. And I remember sort of for a moment thinking to myself, am I going to lose the hunger that I've had? Because I've been so hungry and I've been doing this for eight years. Mm. I you know, started this business when I was 18, 19 and was doing stuff beforehand. And I've always had that, that desire and hunger and I've loved every second of it. And then a little part of me thought, oh God, what happens if this happens? And then all of a sudden I, I either don't enjoy it as much or the hunger goes. But I mean, I'm happy to say I've been even more hungry since I guess the deal's gone through. So yeah, I, I don't think it'll ever really hit home. I think the, the sort of the numbers are so unfathomable. I try not to mm. think too much into them, but you are right because it's not a physical thing. It's, it's an arbitrary number assigned to the, the overall, overall value of the business. Well, did your lifestyle directly change every year as the profit? Because a lot of people, they leave their money in the company yeah. and Every time I look at you online, you're wearing the same fucking clothes. Every, you, it's not like you've changed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't look like you've changed completely. No, uh, and I think because of that, I think I had a fairly lo- like normal and I think I had a really good upbringing. I think mm. that was really good. So, um, and I think as well, I think being somewhat on the autism spectrum also helps in terms of that like same food every day, breakfast, lunch and tea, same clothes, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I was I'm watching like, your videos like, this guy loves routine. <laughs> I, just, I yeah. guarantee it. You really do. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I do. And it, it's like, honestly, it makes me happy and it, it really helps as well, mm. especially in the chaotic nature of Gymshark. Mm. Like pre-COVID, it was minimum 30, sometimes 50 plus flights a year. So it was, there was constant things going on all the time, uh, constantly having conversations with people, building the mm. business, trying to understand all the different facets of it. So yeah, I mean, having that consistency in my own life has been really important. But to be honest, in terms of my adult life, this is all I've ever known. So this sort of craziness of Gymshark, mm-hmm. the, the business was started as I was going into university. Within sort of 12 months, I'd left university. Um, and albeit at the time, it was like hand-making product and it was that sort of hard graft. Um, I think because I spend so much time working on Gymshark. Yeah, it's my biggest focus. And don't get me wrong, my life has changed vastly. Like, again, sitting in the West Midlands sewing clothes is very, very different to the life that I live now. What kind of, like, house did you grow up in? Like, your mum and dad's house? What was it? Fairly normal house. Just like a normal, normal house. Where did you grow up, exactly? I grew up in a town called Bromsgrove, which is... Uh, 20 minutes south of what we say what's the judge what's the verdict because well, he's a Midlands lad it's not oh, Solihull yeah. is it but it is still quite it's, yeah, it's, it's nice I'd say it's nice yeah. it's like a I'd say like a normal a normal mm. place it's like how many bedrooms did the house have uh, four okay four. so it was a nice house yeah, it was a nice house but you know you're, you're not talking multi-millionaires like you are now yeah. it, you know as the company's growing at what point mm. were you like yeah I'm going to give myself dividends here mm. big time so we didn't really take much money, if any, for two years at least. Mm. And then at that point, it was sort of like enough to live on. So for the first two years, I was working at Pizza Hut. And that was essentially living off the Pizza Hut money and then keeping everything in Gymshark. Were you making the pizzas or were you serving or what I were you doing? I was a delivery driver. Right, okay. So, so delivery driver and pot wash. If I'm not mistaken, the first year you made like 500 grand in, uh, in the company. I think revenue was, yeah, I think it was two, 200, 250, something okay, like that. Okay, so at what point did you pay yourself more of a handsome reward would you say end of second year can you remember what that was that, that kind of money that you gave yourself uh, end of second year you're talking 
I'd imagine somewhere between 10 and 20 grand. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, but there was nothing before that. Yeah. Like the, the, the whole idea of, as in starting the business was I was well aware of the fact that we'd have to invest everything that we had. Um, and to be honest, even in the first two or three years, there was three or four occasions where I'd risked everything in the business as well as my personal cash on a sort of 50-50 chance of it succeeding. This is what people don't understand though. Like with me, for example, people think I've got all this fucking money. I'm like, do you think all these cameras pay for themselves? And mm. you, you have to be willing to risk everything in order to get to the situation you've ended up in basically. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this the other day and I was, I, so I've got a, I think I'm quite good at taking risk, partic particularly when it comes to financial risk. And I was trying to work out exactly where that come from. So when I was a kid, I was like 14, you do work experience and things like that. I did work experience with my granddad and my granddad owned his own business. He was, uh, he lined furnaces with brick, ceramic fiber and things like that. So I'd go and help him out. And that was quite useful for me because one, I realized what I sort of didn't want to do in terms of like, it was long, it was hard work, you know, sort of mixing cement in the drum and then like handing it over to him. So that, that I found quite tough. But the, the important thing for me with that was he would talk to me about the risks that he took to start his business. And at 14 years old, to hear my granddad talk about thinking he was going to lose the house that my mom grew up in because of the risks that he took in his business. I think that early like, exposure to that really helped me. And it, it, I mean, it massively inspired me. And I think then, since then, I've been trying to almost live up to the risks that he took. Because I still don't think the risks that I took were anywhere near the risks that he took, right? So when I'm talking about me risking everything I had... I'm talking about two grand when I was 19 years old that I'd saved from working at Pizza Hut and doing other bits. Right. Whereas he risked the family home. His livelihood yeah. and his family. Yeah, where his I've, family I've never lived. done that. I've but was that not risks, learning so. from his mistake almost and going, I don't ever want to have to be in your situation, so I'm going to take the risk before I've got that level of responsibility to a family? Yeah, and yeah, there was a lot of that. I hear like a lot of people talk about that. It's, it's so much easier to take risks when you're young than it is when you're old. So I wanted to take those risks whilst I could, whilst I had sort of nothing to lose. Like... Between the age of 18 and even like 26, 20, late 20s, you could lose everything several times and it, it doesn't really matter. But some people don't have that about them. I remember trying so many different jobs. I did my apprenticeship when I was working in a bloody shipyard and that, and I had the same thought. I see, I look around, I see these 40, 50 year old guys thinking, I don't want to be you. But some people, it's drum, the opposite is drummed into them is never take a risk, play it safe, get, get, get yourself. Get yourself a, a job and then stick in that job yeah. for as long as you but can. But you never really, that was never part of the plan for right. you, was it? It was just like, yeah. No, but equally I had no idea where, where I was going. So Gymshark was the seventh website that I'd made. I'd mm. made four iPhone apps before Gymshark, all of which, some of which did well, some of which failed miserably. What kind of apps are we, are they all gym-based apps that you were making? Yeah, like I, I just love the gym from mm -hmm. the age of like 16 because I was so skinny at school and right. like self-conscious that as soon as I got into the gym and like, I mean, you'll know this, right? Even when you put like a millimeter onto the size of your arms, it's like the best feeling ever. So, so. were you into that? You were like <laughs> measuring stuff and sort of... So, so as a kid, I was just football. That was my, my life was football, right? Villa fan, season ticket holder as a kid. It was a football, football, football. You're fucking loving it at the minute then. I haven't. We're having a great time right now. <laughs> yeah, smashing um, it. But yeah, massively into football. And then like, you know, when you're like to 16, you sort of realise you're not going to be a professional footballer. So you start to look at other things. You do have that look though. What, you does have the look of somebody. Oh, you could be. You could be playing alongside Ross Barkley. Yeah, and I'm, you would fit I'm, in I'm perfectly. Not. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but a lot of lads I remember once once 
they're 16 and it's like oh, I haven't made it as a footballer yeah. you discover the gym and then it's all about getting massive yeah that's I'm gonna get massive mm-hmm. do you know what I mean and I, I guess, to be honest that yeah. was me I was yeah. like like I was like that person that was like, I'd go to Pizza Hut and then Pizza Hut was great because if you did a five hour shift, which I ch- tend to do most nights, was you'd get a free pizza at the end. And then for me, it was, it's not protein or carbs or fats, it's calories. Like that's all I want. I want calories. I want to get bigger because I was so, so small, like less than 60 kilos at, I don't know, what am I like, over six foot sort of thing mm. as a teenager. It just wasn't good fun. And were you self-conscious of that then? Uh, yeah, as a kid, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I was the skinny kid. Like I felt like skinny and it was something that, I didn't want to be, if that makes sense. Fascinating, that, because that, that, that you being the skinny kid drove you to discover the gym, which drove you to be the entrepreneur that you are, to then set up Gymshock, to then become a billionaire. Mm-hmm. All because you were the skinny kid. Like, yeah. that's kind of... You can trace it back to that moment you've been unhappy about the way you look. Because mm-hmm. you were into um, World of Warcraft before <laughs> that. <laughs> How did you know Sorry, that? Sorry, this guy. I was, I, I, I was obsessed with World of Warcraft as a kid in, in like a sort of uh, you know you'd be on it how, a lot I every day com- comfortable 12 hour days comfortable loved it yeah mm-hmm. absolutely loved it and I, honestly funnily enough like it may not surprise you that I'm probably not a massive fan of the way that I guess education works nowadays but I do believe I learned so much from World of Warcraft from can you, you have like explain what World of Warcraft is because there'll be people listening going is this a computer game? I mean, the only way I know about it is from uh, South Park. Okay. <laughs> no, got I know, explain it to people who don't know what it's, it is. Uh, they call it an MMORPG, I think is what they call it, which right. stands for a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, which right. is going to sound like jargon. Basically, it's a massive, massive world with loads of different people that are you know, all, from all around the world um, that essentially do different things in like a huge battle, essentially. Mm. And you've got two sides. You've got like the Alliance and the Horde, so the good and the bad. Um, and there's just loads of different things. So you can go, when you get to end game, as they call it, you can like fight against other players or you can fly, fight against sort of the game. And yeah, I was fascinated by it as a kid. Was that like kind of, I don't know, I'm trying to think of what skills you'd learn from that, but all the organization and strategy. business structure Working and stuff with people, like that. strategy, yeah. I guess you had to talk to a lot of other people and make plans, I guess, and yeah. stuff for, for, a, for a battle. How we're going to attack the much, opposition. Yeah. Not much yeah. designing a parallel in there, though. I suppose yeah. you can, you're making, what character, what kind of characters were you then? Like, yeah. did you have a specific one that you liked being? Or? Yeah, but it's not going to make any sense to you. If well, you've like, we want to hear it. Uh, uh, I, was, I, was, I was a retribution paladin, if that, okay. that probably doesn't sound like anything. If I was to Google that now, would that come up? Yeah. Okay. Lawrence, yeah. Bring, bring it up. Bring yeah. it up. I'm I just going to bring it up. This. But you, you keep. Yeah. No, no. I want to. I want to see it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> retribution. So, so describe paladin. why you wanted to be a retribution paladin. I, I, I just fell. I fell across it. But they were like at the time. It's going to sound so nerdy. At the time, they were like it. they were like OP. They were like overpowered. They there were like the, what it's everyone true. wanted to be, sort of things. It's just um, like Gymshark, mate. This is the mo- this is the Gymshark <laughs> model here. We've just we've discovered it. Wait. So something like that. I mean, that's a, that's that looks like a female. Yeah, similar. But similar. Like, so something like that. It's, oh, um, wow. it's sort of a bit like uh, Raid Shadow Legends. Yeah, not sponsoring I, I us today. Yeah. I, um, I learned a lot on that game. Mm. I learned a lot. And are you, um, you said you weren't a fan of the education yeah. system and setup. Yeah. You know, I feel the same, but I wonder what your reasons for that are. As someone who has made as much money as you have and been so successful... Why would you then not be? We're, we're up to my GCSEs, I didn't do particularly well. And it was a combination of wasn't interested, probably wasn't quite, wasn't cool. And I don't know, I just didn't do particularly well. Why, but you're like, a smart guy though. This should, I don't know. Because I didn't like the fact that it wasn't practical application. It was all an exam. And I think maybe a bit, little bit egotistical. I don't want to do an exam that's going to define whether or not I do well or not. And I just didn't, I just didn't do well at it. Um, and then 
I think I got I was sort of like C's and D's so I don't know average so maybe I was intelligent but wasn't applying myself and I, then can I just ask you is this do you think this is because you didn't feel when you say practical application do you feel like it's not applicable to real world situations and it's more of like a memory test yes a little bit of that and then I would I would I remember as a kid, I'd try hard at something and not be very good at it. And then I wouldn't bother with something and be quite good at it. So, so English literature, I always got really good grades, but I just, you know, I hardly even went. So it was like this weird thing of how can that, how can that be legit? Mm. How, can that, how can that be a true reflection of my, I guess, intelligence? Were you happy overall at school though? Like you had friends, you were sort of quite a sociable yeah, guy? Or, yeah, yeah, I had good friends. Like I didn't enjoy school. Like most of my mates we'd all get home from school as soon as we can play call of duty gears of war all that sort of thing the whole xbox sort of revolution was massive for us um yeah i had good friends at school to be when, honest. when when you say that though about if i didn't try i'd be good at it but then when i tried i, I wouldn't be so good at it i guess that makes me think of what you're like when it comes to a challenge is that what it is about you is that what being the small guy going to the gym to build up is a, a mountain to climb. Is that something that you're fueled by? Do you love a challenge or are yeah, you I'd, not I'd, that guy? I'd say I'm, I think I'm fairly chill, but I'd say I'm highly competitive, I would say. So yeah, maybe it is a little bit of that. Mm. Um, with the gym specifically, I think it helps when people are like, oh, well, you know, you look a bit bigger, you look a bit stronger, all that sort of thing. And it's weird as well, when you're a kid and you're weak and skinny, to all of a sudden being muscular and strong, that's, that's an amazing feeling when you're like 18 years old because you've mm. never had that before. Mm. How did you handle that ego-wise? Did you feel like, because you know, I mean, let's be honest, you've been around enough gym men to know that ego is a huge <laughs> reason for them going to the gym. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, you feel like you got a bit of an ego at that point? Um, yeah. So this is the weird thing with the gym, right, that I find is, so when I first went to the gym at 16, I was so self-conscious and I would go in and I'd do a bicep curl or a bench press and I'd think, oh my God, everyone's looking at me. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Am I lifting enough weight? And I felt so self-conscious. And it wasn't until a few years later that I realized that everyone else in the gym, no matter how big or small, was generally feeling the same thing. So the gym, from the outside, it's quite an intimidating place. But in reality, people are worried about themselves. And ultimately, they're there because they want to improve themselves. Like, if you'd done, if you'd won the gym game and you had the perfect <laughs> physique and you were a 10 out of 10 for health, do you know what I mean? You probably wouldn't be there in, in the same way. But ultimately, everyone's there to improve themselves. Um, but yeah, I, I struggled at the start of the gym. As I got into it, it got even more fulfilling for me. Do you just go alone to the gym then and just sort of, you know, because I remember my first gym experience was basically walking into a gym alone and just sort of trying to work out the machines. Or did you go as a group or with someone else? I went, I went with groups. So all, me and all my mates were into it. It was this weird thing where, where the kids in the year above us didn't really, weren't even massively into the gym. It was more the pub after school all of my year and my mates was just gym. Like we finished school and we go to the gym and it was who can bench the most. It was chest Mondays. It was arms Fridays. It was like everyone had the same routine. And there was a group of 10, 15 of us that would just always go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And you uh, being competitive, obviously that's going to spur you on to gain more. Yes. Et Especially when all your mates are going, because again, you want the biggest bench, you want the biggest arms, you want the biggest squat and so on. So Where did you sit in that group in terms of average, what was your yeah. best, what was your thing that you're like, this is my best thing? So my arm, I, have, I had good arm, as a kid, I had good arm genetics. My arms yeah. grew big, my chest was tiny and that was that was. You're terrible. quite good, you got good shoulders if you don't yeah. mind um, saying, you know, you, you're, you're very noticeable on the shoulders and stuff. Okay. No, I guess maybe. I had bad legs, which is bad to know. I'm trying to work on my squats and my deadlifts. I'm, start, I'm trying to get into more like of a powerlifting thing now and it's, it's well, funny. Yeah, well, Gonna, yeah. exactly uh, it's funny because when you're a kid it was just completely innocently for me at 18 19 it was just purely aesthetic that was the reason i wanted to go yeah. to the gym and now i'm getting a bit older it's more a combination of health and strength mm -hmm. so if you said to me now 
what would you rather a particular aesthetic or a 300 kilo deadlift i'd take a 300 kilo deadlift all day it's long it's funny that isn't it how once you've had muscles for a while you're just like eh what do they do though what, what can yeah, i yeah, do with this for me it's all about function and yeah. i'm inspired by you know like people that are i guess a bit more functional with what they do that, as they get older. that's kind of the way gymshark's gone as well though like i feel like when mm. i first seen gymshark it was bodybuilders 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 and now you're looking at athletes and what can they do with that yeah is that sort of are you that, that, has your state of mind affected the company's state of mind in that regard yeah so if you go right back to the start Gymshark was for the gym kid that I was. Mm. So it was about aesthetics, it was about lifting, it was about biceps, it was about abs, it was all that sort of thing. And then, so as the company grew and as you know people came on board and as all of a sudden we had, I think, a more prominent place in society. Because remember, remember as well, we're looking at Gymshark retrospectively as knowing what it is now, but at the time it was fairly insignificant, mm -hmm. both in the industry and people didn't really look at it too much. Now I think we have a more prominent place in society. It's important to me that I guess we take that with a little bit more a little bit more seriously so yeah we're we're wanting to be a bit more aspirational to more people we want to be more functional and ultimately we want to be inspiring anyone that goes to the gym not just the ben francis when he was 16 17 years old so it's matured with you in that sense yeah mm. that is quite interesting because i think perce you, you, the perception of gymshark has changed a lot over the last few years yeah what do you think the yeah. perception is now um it so must be hard because you're on the inside right yeah. yeah so i meet all sorts of people right so i'll meet 16 year old kids that are just massively inspired by it, whose dream is to be a Gymshark athlete and then like half an hour later I'll meet a 55 year old bloke that's worked at Ernst & Young for 20 years that lo loves it for the business story mm -hmm. so I think it depends on who you speak to but maybe what I, wa what I want Gymshark to be is I want Gymshark to be the future of the way that fitness works with brands right I want it to be aspirational to everyone I want it to be a place where anyone can go whether you're a power lifter or a bodybuilder or a runner whether you're on the journey or at the end of the journey in terms of you know five percent body fat and 90 kilos or whether you're you know overweight wanting to lose a bit of weight um or whether you are skinny ben at 16 year old, years old that wants to put on muscle i want i want to somehow work out how we can be inspirational to all those different people hmm. that's interesting how far away do you think you are from that i think we've got a, a while to go to be mm. honest i think don't get me wrong we've we've done amazing like having the where we've come from bearing in mind like i said we just did men's clothes to people that wanted big biceps and abs eight years ago mm -hmm. whereas now we're so much more than that and i'm really proud of where we've come but how far we've come but i do think we've got a long way to go That's an interesting what, what's, what's your perception of gymshark i love the clothes first and foremost that was obviously why i was like okay i'm really mm. happy we got by the way uh, for those who are wondering how we ended up it was sort of like i i was chatting on you dms wasn't mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. and um this company had approached me and said, yeah, but if we work with you, you can't work with anyone in, in the contract, Gymshark. I was like, okay, let me just check that this isn't going to fuck something up for me later on. So I messaged you directly and I was mm -hmm. like, look, before I sign this, do you want to have a chat? Is anything happening? And then it all just happened from there and that was great. Appreciate the, the sponsorship. Endorsement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, so I love the clothes. I, I was surprised that you guys would be interested in me. One, because obviously I'm a colourful character and uh, said and done a few things, you know. But um, also, I'm a bigger guy. I'm, yeah. I'm not your standard Gymshark athlete. And to be fair, I noticed you've gone outside the sort of the, the lane, Bazinga and, and the other creators that you've got involved. Yeah. But I was like, fucking hell, I never expected this because for one thing, I don't fit a lot of the clothes that Gymshark mm -hmm. make. Uh, 
bless Joe, he sent us as many as he could to try and get us to fit in them or whatever. But uh, he even came round and sort of buttered me up and sort yeah. of slipped it on. But <laughs> well, we all tried. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was just surprised. So I think my thing was six packs, you know, and that's... So uh, that's, like more of the original Gymshark from well, back in the day? No, I, I definitely say you've, you've changed. But at the same time, one thing that has been consistent... Obviously, I'm going from your social media presence and not, you know, necessarily what's in your head. But when I look at the Instagram and the, and the, the Twitters and all of that, you see people who are lean, who are not yeah. powerlifters, who are shredded. You know, so I'm definitely not that. Especially when we first started talking, I, you know, yeah, I was. We've, I mean, we've been talking for a fair few months yeah, now, months. and I think, yeah, even yeah. since then, I think it's changed a fair bit. Yeah. So. Um, you know, the guys on there are shredded. The women on there are very slim as well. And I was like, Pfft. I mean, I'm not going to complain that you guys want to uh, do stuff with me, but I didn't see how I fitted into that. Um, and I respected you for, for wanting to go in different directions. And I, and I can see that that is the long term. Mm -hmm. And you've proven that by getting involved with us straight mm -hmm. up. But at the same time, right now, uh, I think it's for slim people. Yeah. And that's my honest opinion. So it seems like we've got more work to do then on that, yeah. that movement of perception. I think the thing is, it's, it's such a weird position for us to be in because I do think we now, in many respects, lead the way that particularly our area, the fitness industry, mm -hmm. sort of goes. It's, it's, it's an odd feeling. I, I mean, I think we've come a long way. We did some cool things, right? If I, so if I go back four or five years, people wouldn't post like, muscular women like gym going lifting women like mm. that wasn't a massive thing maybe in like the you know the facets of powerlifting society which right. I'll be more or you know, me and you will probably know a little bit more about but it wasn't really a thing in terms of mainstream and when you the look game's at, changed hasn't yeah it's it? completely changed I mean it was only a few years ago that you'd see the all these old sort of I think think things online that would be like women don't want to lift because almost within six months they'll look like Arnold and obviously that was like just there, there was the false. female bodybuilders who would be held up as the example of if you lift a weight this, this is what happens yeah. and it's like do you know how I mean to be fair the, the women how dedicated they've had to be oh. and what they've had to do to get there it's not going to happen no like, I mean if it did like, it's just it, yeah, everyone would be walking around looking like Arnold it's like you do one deadlift for a girl and you get an Adam's apple or something yeah. it's, it's not the case um, but yeah I think to be fair I think with women you guys have changed the game in the biggest way. I've mm. had so many women when uh, we, we got involved with you guys tweeting us saying like, this is the brand that made me feel like I could go to the gym. And mm -hmm. Because women like to look good. More, yeah, yeah. I think more so than men is a fair statement. I mean, it's a generalization. Hammer me if you want in the comments. But women- I will and, hammer and, in and the and comments, And part of guys. going out the door and going to the gym for women is like checking themselves in the mirror and feeling like, confident because when you're in the gym like yeah. you said men women we're all not that confident so if you feel like you look a bit better yeah. you're more likely to go there and I don't know who designed the leggings but credit to them it says it's a <laughs> magical creation and, it, it, uh, it was quite I think that that's one thing because I'm coming at it from a perception of someone who doesn't go to the gym mm -hmm. and someone who probably sees that as quite a niche not exactly like cool thing to do if right. you know what I mean and I, um, I guess you have to kind of be in those, you have to have friends who want to go to the gym, be in those kind of circles. Yeah. And like, yeah, to be completely honest, when we were first talking to Gymshark, I was, I was like almost mocking Brian. I was a bit like, <laughs> I can't believe we're going to be sponsored by a gym brand. Like, is that really cool? Like at the time I was like, shouldn't we be going for more like this? Well, you like you this? work out, but you're not a gym lad. Yeah. And, yeah. And that was because of my outside perception, but yeah. we'd kind of, we've been for quite a few meetings with you guys and those kind of things. So I think mm -hmm. I, we've learned a lot more. Yeah. 
uh, and to some extent that's my ignorance, but I also think it's preconceptions that just people have yeah, of yeah. the gym. And that's where it must be such a challenge for you because like you said, I think you've said in many interviews, like you're not just trying to get certain niche people. You're trying to get as many people as possible to wear Gymshark. Yeah. So in order to do that, you have to break the perceptions, I guess. And I think it's going to take us several more years. But again, if you look at the brands that maybe we get compared to often, they're 10, 20, 30, 40 years old. Who is like, that though? So, so who do you get, who do you hear yourselves getting compared to a lot? It's a great position to be in, but it's the bigger brands. It's the Nikes, the mm. Under Armors, the Lululemons, you know, companies like that. We tend to be compared with more nowadays, which is to me is just crazy again. But again, much older brands that have had a much longer period of time. Uh, which is good and bad, right? Because the fact that we're young means that we're built in a completely different way, which means that we can be way more agile. We can, you can be extremely quick. We can pivot at a rate I've never seen before. But equally, um, some things like brand perception take a long, long time to build. Yeah, because you can't go from A to Z overnight. It is, it's going to take time. I've written a few notes down about this sort of thing, actually, because when I was looking, I thought this will come up and I, I, I want to know what you think about uh, p- promoting a healthy body image mm-hmm. do you feel like Gymshark does that is that yeah I think we do a good job of it to be mm-hmm. honest I think we do a much better job of it than we did um, I think we're again we're trying to push out all different sort of shapes and sizes people sort of on the journey a little bit more um, you know we've done more of that online lately which has been to be honest met with a, an oddly mixed response um, mm. which I was surprised at in, um, in what way what, what do you think the response has been so if we maybe if we put someone up on Gymshark that is, you know, on the journey, they're trying to lose weight, then some people will say, will sort of crit- criticize Gymshark because they see Gymshark as being the people that should be showing the, the finished product, which right. I disagree with personally. I completely disagree with it. Anyone that's been anywhere near a gym knows that you're never finished. So, so you, yeah, is that people who expect you to go to the gym naked when you start and then you can only wear Gymshark once you're halfway through your yeah, journey? I think, people, I think people maybe still have the old school mentality of Gymshark is for people with six-pack abs and 18-inch arms and a, you know, a 150, 200 kilo bench. But, but as a man, if I was to go on your instagram now mm. and look at the other men all right i'm a big guy i've got muscles but i'm you know there's meat covered in gravy i've got to be honest you know there's, gravy. <laughs> like i said there's weight that I need, i'm still on the journey as mm. you know but how do i put this like i feel like the men on your instagram page are still of that ilk of unattainable almost too like perfect most of them i'd say there might be the odd one who's a runner or the the it it feels like i get that you've done a bit of body positivity mm-hmm. work and i can and i appreciate that and getting people like me and bazinga involved i think that's great naturally but that a lot of the men on there feel like i'll, Still I'll never too unattainable. just godlike yeah, you know yeah. like naturally unattainable at yeah. least like you also just, unattainable to mainstream to just someone who goes to the gym yeah. around work and i guess, I guess. That, that's that bodybuilding look as well mm. so our core started in bodybuilding but you're right the bodybuilding look is it's it's it can be shocking at times mm. when you like anyone that's in a seen a bodybuilder in real life it's like the first time you see someone it's <laughs> fucking hell like, you yeah. grew up around one didn't you well my dad was a bodybuilder and i'm very familiar with the guys that you guys sponsor yeah. uh, chris bumstead and people like that Who's, and he's like mr olympia yeah. so he's mm. like the top Point one he's a Greek god this of, guy that's yeah. about his body fat as well. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not knocking these men because I know it takes amazing dedication to get what they've got and this this is the thing is this is their life yeah. and when you're shopping on the Gymshark website the chances are it's your hobby yeah. and you do it once uh, you know four times a week five times a week 
so I guess that part of it and when I bought the clothes I was like shit this is tight like mm. there's a and the, the one range that you brought out was the power range mm -hmm. which I love because it was more old school yeah. and a little bit uh Float, yeah, for mm -hmm. want of a better word. And I was like, they, I love this. This makes me feel good and confident, but it's not too tight because yeah. one of my criticisms of Gymshock as a brand would be that most of the stuff that you guys sell is really tight. And yeah. if you are going to the gym for the first time in a while or you're just starting out, that's going to feel... Um, too yeah, much right. yeah no I agree especially if you're on the either trying to lose weight or mm. that sort of side of things whereas maybe if you're where I was a skinny kid that wanted to put on weight maybe it makes more sense mm -hmm. uh, that's the funny thing right because I mean you guys will probably understand this more now um, in terms of running your business but different areas of the business like prosper at different rates mm. so we'll build our product generally 18 months to two years in advance whereas the the brand plans or like like things like this that we want to pivot on and adjust and improve we can improve them quite quickly whereas mm. product can take a little bit longer um i mean i know that personally now because i'm literally running the product team at the moment um mm. and finding it very tough to be honest but um but in yeah. instagram social media wise who you choose to put up is a daily thing. It can be... Yeah, it can be changed very quickly. Yeah, and it, I, I looked on the Instagram and I did think... I looked, I thought, when was the last time where I can say they posted a picture of a genuinely plus-sized person, a bigger mm -hmm. person? I, I honestly couldn't find one. Like, on, the, on the male side? Oh, no, on, on, I mean, the fa with all due respect, like the females, I'm not sitting here criticising their bodies, but all right, there was a couple with chunky thighs, mm. and like, God, I love that. But at the same time, I would never look at any of them and think, you are in the phase that I'm in. And with the yeah. men, there is none of them either in the phase that I'm in, I guess. So that, that was my thing was, you guys have been, and credit to you, like really active in many good things like black lives matter mm -hmm. and I, I i think what you've done is amazing with that because so many big brands have sat silent mm -hmm. or they've said it and then just moved on whereas you've yeah. been consistent with it so i'm definitely not trying to bash you guys <laughs> no no Naturally. i think it's, but I think this is great honest, an honest conversation yeah, and yeah. that's i guess that's what i'm quite interested in is how how you guys have that conversation about what body positivity means yeah. to you because ultimately if you you're a business the bottom mm -hmm. line there is a bottom line there and also there will be people who want to see you make the most profit not necessarily please the most people mm -hmm. but i guess you you your long-term vision is uh more than that i guess long-term vision is to be aspirational to everyone and support any everyone on their gym journey albeit we've got a while to go to get there i think mm -hmm. but you're not it, it so it, it is, it is a tough one though because to some people they're just going to say <laughs> i'm just going to say the honest <laughs> way i can Fat people don't look as good in clothes as skinny people do. And to, he says that as... And, you know. and that is kind of how some brands will say it, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, and there are, there are some websites out there that do put in bigger people or whatever, but it is a bit of a battle there because you want people to look good in their clothes, but you also don't want to be excluding you know yeah. the, the population and, yeah. and ultimately if you want to make the biggest impact which we do then we need to be supporting everyone on the journey whichever whatever wherever wherever they are on that journey we mm -hmm. want to support them so. what does body positivity mean though into because obviously it's quite i think a lot of corporate culture um you know we'll just say body positivity is to uh, you know feel good about your body no matter what it is mm. whereas almost the, the problem for you guys is you are gym is in your name and the gym yeah. is to change and sculpt your body yeah. but actually the message really you want to be promoting is feel comfortable as who you are and that's yeah. kind of at odds i guess with yeah, the gym yeah i think it's i think it's about feeling comfortable with who you are and essentially having a a, a 
a health focused mindset both on mental and physical health because again anyone that goes to the gym knows how important it's as important if not more important for mental health as it is physical health mm. and that's again something that's really important to myself and everyone at Gymshark that previously we probably haven't spent as much time on as what we should but going forward is a huge huge priority as well and I can back that up because when we had the meetings we had with the boys it mm. was a lot about you know we want to show people that we're aware of that this is a problem in society right mm. now and we're trying to be part of the solution yeah. and helping people with that mm. um, and to be honest even when i first fell on your sort of podcast and your videos that was the thing that sort of really really struck me mm -hmm. was like incredibly transparent which is what we are and want to be um, and then a focus on mental and physical health and i think that's so important and that's so similar to the way that jim shark is going and you know will be moving forward I guess there's a problem for you guys as well is because honesty can sometimes um, hurt well, some it, people's it can, feelings. It can, or, but it also can hurt you, potentially. Yeah. You, you, like I watched the, the video of you talking about the business and you were just so like, this is how it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And even coming here today, there was no questions from the guys. They were not, not worried about anything. You're just like, I'm just going to have a, an open chat. But mm -hmm. do you ever worry how that will affect the business if you keep being that way? Um, I'm assuming the guys behind the scenes might have been a bit you know uh, don't be too so what i mean we talk a lot about our values at gymshark and transparency is just key it's key for us and it's really important and i found myself sort of thrust slightly more into the limelight than i think i ever expected to to be like to just in terms of like my youtube and my posting and stuff i never actually intended to do any of that i never intended to be in this position i never thought gymshark would be in the position that we're at so i've sort of found myself here rather than um, plan to be here are if that you makes the sense. reluctant king almost so my f the first youtube video i ever did which to be honest i think was where my name was sort of thrust into the limelight slightly more than it was previously because again no one knew who i was before that purely came out of the fact that we did a we did a world tour back in the day so we'd go around with all the different athletes we go all around the world and there was the one of the one of the last stops we stopped in dublin and there was one lad who was i think he was doing like a business course and he was really interested in gymshark as a business and he said can you just do a video on how you start a Gymshark? And I was like, do you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. Like my girlfriend's on YouTube. She knew how to edit video. I wasn't massively, you know, into it at the time. And I did that one video thinking, you know, there you go. That answers all the questions I've had. Cause I got a lot of questions on how the business started. That answers all the questions. And to be honest, it just went so well from then on. There was so much positive reaction. I thought, do you know what? I've got to carry on with this. So I wouldn't say reluctant, but probably not far from that, yeah. I don't know. I guess uh, every band sort of exists in its own little fantasy world, but how, how much in the real world do you think you live? And how me, you know, me personally? Yeah. Oh, massively so. Yeah. Massively so. Like, like in because in I think a lot of the people that we meet who run big companies, uh, you know, don't have money worries, uh, mm -hmm. you know, can live and just talk about their brand 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. don't really live in the real world. Yeah. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it completely makes sense. Um, I mean, like I said, I live in the West Midlands. I love it. I've got super down to earth family. Mum works in the NHS, has done since she was 16. I think that helps massively. Again, I'm not from like a upper class family or anything like that, where I've always been very aware of the realities of life. Um, again, went to a normal school and I've still got the same group of mates, which is important to me. What do they um, think of all of this? Mm. Must so, be interesting. So a lot of them ended up working in Gymshark, which yeah. is very useful for me because then I get to spend a lot of time with them. Uh -huh. yeah. um, like Brian, I'll tell you that it's very difficult to sack your friends. So, you know, I've he's tried. been trying to get rid of me for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, Have you ever had a few awkward moments where you thought he could be pulling his weight more? Yeah, it's a bit passive aggressive, and, but fair enough. <laughs> uh, he could turn up on time more. Do yeah. you know what I mean? 
just picking yeah. that out then. Yeah, just picking I, that out yeah. there's been friends that I've had that have had to leave Gymshark and really? it, that was probably one of the most difficult oh, of things of course you started Gymshark with. with your friend with Lewis. Lewis yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. right so, but there's been loads of like things like that over the years that have come up, and you know, there's people that have left that I still keep in touch with. There's people that I don't keep in touch with. Where does Lewis fit on that spectrum? <laughs> so Lewis is like, I think, you know, happily have a chat. Like, if you wanted to get food, we get food, but we're not like mates. We don't see each other all the time. Right. Uh, like, I spoke to him two or three weeks ago. Absolutely fine. Cool. He's happy. Because you essentially you started the business. With yeah, yeah. So me and Lewis both started the business together. Mm. Um, met in the gym again. That sort of competitive tension between uh, us. Uh, I remember I because I my going back to my arms grew quickly. He was like, "Oh, how'd you get your arms to grow so quickly?" His chest grew quickly. We had that sort of banter in the gym. Uh, we went to school together, started the business together. People don't. He wasn't an employee as much as you were like co-owners at the start. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So he, so we were both co-owners of the business at the start, mm-hmm. and then going forward a couple of years, we had this decision to make where it was: Do we want Gymshark to be the lifestyle brand that it was? So there was five or six employees. We could touch everything and see everything, or so do we want it to be sort of like the biggest fitness brand in Birmingham, or do we want it to be a truly global household name? We wanted it to be a truly global household name, but that comes with differences in the way that the business runs, right? So you can't be involved in everything. You have to employ people that are better than you. Right. And I think Lewis loves the entrepreneurial phase. Like that's what he's doing now, right? He's getting involved in businesses at the grassroots level. He loves that. And then the second that the business became this machine, which is what it is now with tons of staff, you know, hundreds and hundreds of staff, um, he didn't enjoy it as much, so he ended up moving on. I, I, I did a little bit of research into this because I, I found it fascinating. Whenever a company grows to such a, a degree, Lawrence compared it to the Facebook story on like social stuff. network style, sort yeah. of from the outside, I think you you could perceive it that way, I guess. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, um, and his, I, I noticed his ownership changes, his percentage went down, and he was then also a director in another company early on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, the point Lawrence made was, why is he getting out now when everyone else's dream would be to get in now? Like, he had a huge stake. When he got out, I guess, Brian and I have obviously talked about your whole journey. He sold sold 20% of the company. At at a point where people want in, why sell out Because I'm thinking in three, four years, this 20% he has now is going to be worth way more. So why sell up now? I don't get that. So the conversation with Lewis was, I think Lewis was really happy with the value that his shares were worth. And I don't think he sees a difference in his lifestyle between whether he has the money that he has now or if he has more money. I don't think he sees that as a difference. So I think he sees it as an opportunity for him to, because going back to what you said at the start, it's not real until... It's sort of mm. in the bank, as it were, and I think that's how. So he, he, saw he it. had an option of carrying on. But he with, could carry on, or he could have a hundred million in cash. Right. Or what? Yeah. Which well, well, that was what it was reported. Yeah. Right. And, he, and he would much rather have the cash because then he can go off and do other things with that. Like I said, mm. he wants to invest in other smaller businesses at the grassroots level. He does a lot in property and things like that. That's amazing. And he, I think, he wants to do all of those different things, knowing that if he sat with all his, I guess, value in Gymshark, then he wouldn't be able to do those. Albeit it'd be worth more in the mm. future, but he doesn't think it would make a big difference to his lifestyle. Wow, so you, that's, that's a real life-changing sum of money, though, as well, to be able to walk away from a company with 100 million. Mm. But you, you did also lose a, a friend out of the company, I guess. Or, mm. uh, it seemed yeah. like he had been distant, though, for a while when I watched his... He did an interview recently. Did he? Yeah. Right. Uh, well, he did a podcast, anyway. Yeah. And he said, um, when a company gets to a certain size, it's hard to make everything move the way you want it to. I like to be really, really involved. Yeah. And I felt from that personally like 
he didn't have the level of control that he wanted in the company you just don't mm. you just like you just don't like if i go back five years if i i could literally walk into the warehouse and pick something up and you know do whatever i wanted with it mm. now you've got warehouses we're opening two in the us one in canada one in australia one in belgium one in the uk it's it's like it's sort of split across the world and it's all under the control of different individuals that are a part of the gymshark group now ultimately if i wanted to i could play a shareholder card as the majority shareholder but i just never would because that's not in the long-term interest of the business the long the interest of the long term of the business is to create a great group of individuals that are all pulling in the same direction you know they have you have to have good disagreements in the business like i'm hard like i'm not always right do you have heated moments and oh yeah yeah is that with the yeah. uh the old boys who you brought in, well, with all due respect, they're not old, but compared to yeah. you, they're old. Then. Yeah, compared to anyone, yeah. they're, they're yeah. old. Yeah, so we, so I, like, we disagree all the time. We have so many sort of like positive arguments in Gymshark, and I think that's the reason that we can make progress at the rate that we do. And mm-hmm. I think that's really, really important. But again, as a business owner, that's so difficult to deal with at the start. It's so difficult to deal with when you've had the first few years of growth you know speed brilliance everyone telling you how great you are and how impressive you are and you might be the next big thing to then have someone come in like in my case i made um, uh, an integration between the gymshark website and the royal mail system to automatically ship orders which i was really proud of but was utterly shit to have someone then come in and go, Ben, this is crap, this needs to go. Really? It breaks your heart at the start. Were you a little bit of a control freak at that point? But did you feel um, like you would just constantly, because every decision goes through you, and then you've got to hand these off to other yeah. people and go, oh. It's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. But and I'm sure other entrepreneurs will experience this. What the business requires of me now is utterly different to what it required for me at the start. So the first two years, I had to be a little bit arrogant, a little bit egotistical. I had to have a clear vision. I almost had to grab the business, almost kicking and screaming to where I wanted it to go. Mm. And then all of a sudden, as you build a team around you, you can't do that. You can't be the egotistical entrepreneur that just almost dictates. You have to understand that other people have good ideas, oftentimes better ideas than you. And you have to learn to be a leader, to work with people, to work in teams, to to bring great teams together, great individuals that have different skills that's so important and like as the business grows it requires different things from me and it's been really important to me to constantly flex constantly learn constantly adapt so that i can be the best that i can for gymshark i'm I'm wondering if it was a challenge for you having that authority looking how you look and being the age that you are Mm. and still maintaining the respect of people who because because you don't speak all right you say you had arrogance and and you had to have that at that time but Mm. You don't come across as a boss, traditional mm. boss, especially the age that you are, for the money that you're dealing with here. Was that ever a challenge where you felt like you have to exert that authority to get to keep the respect of the employee at the time who was questioning, are you making the right decision here? And did you feel like, because of how you look and how you come across, you have to do that more so than a normal guy might have to? No, to be honest, I've never, I've never really felt that. Um, but equally, we've, we've grown particularly up until sort of the last six months with everything that's going on in the world. It's been not an easy ride, but we've not had to deal with huge issues, as it were. Like, there's been issues internally at the business that we've had to deal with, but I've never had to really assert my authority, as you put it, no, to be yeah. honest. What do you think is, has been the biggest speed bump along the way? Because I think you, obviously, you've got a team of staff who yeah. are very good at framing in the same way as you are, and the way you speak is very uh, leader-like. There's a mm. lot of 
positive reframing of things. You know, yeah. we have a lot of positive arguments, etc. Mm-hmm. There are some moments where you, gen- and we all know this from running businesses, where you don't feel like you're having a positive argument, should we say? <laughs> oh, I mean, like I said, when I was younger, I, there were times where I was a complete and a knob, an absolute knob. So I've just mentioned I've come back into a product role. I've not done a product focused role in Gymshark for five years. Mm-hmm. And then one of the people that was there back in the day came up to me and they says, are you going to be like Hurricane Ben again? Because that's what they called me back in the early right. days of the business. They'd be like, oh, come in like a hurricane, change everything, have a moan about this, and then piss off. Mm. And that was something that I had to really work on. Because when something's your baby, it's like me with content, it can be, you can be intense when the mm. situation doesn't require it because yeah. how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah, and it could be a zip or a material mm. or a colour that's just not quite there. And to someone else, it might not be as important, but to you, it could be the most important thing in the world, particularly in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that, that was so difficult for me to learn how to instill that into other people and articulate the vision. That being able to articulate myself in the right way as to what I want us to achieve and where I think we should go was probably one of the biggest learning curves for me. Because mentally on a day-to-day basis back in the day, when you are doing every single deal and you literally sewed those T-shirts yeah. yourself, everything, to now where you are, have you found that you switch off a lot easier now with a night home, for example? Or are you still always the brand, the brand, um, the brand? So I'm, I'm quite lucky, right? I've got... One, I've got an amazing girlfriend and I'm quite, well, I'm very private with my personal life. Mm. So I've got a, I see as an insanely chaotic professional life, but a ridiculously simple personal life. So like, again, that routine in my personal life is just, it's just etched into everything, everything that I do. Mm. Um, so I've, I can't say, I'd say I've started to learn to switch off, but I don't think you ever really do. I don't think there's ever a Mm. point. Like if we go on holiday, I'm always doing something. I'm always on my phone. I'm always messaging someone or speaking to someone. Is that really a holiday or is that just sort of traveling whilst doing business? No, we we do. Like again, like chatting to my girlfriend, one of the things she said, she's like, can we go on holiday every year? Mm. That was a a conversation we've had in the last 12 months. Can we go on holiday? And I've Are you romantic? Not particularly, no. What's the most romantic (laughs) thing Ben Francis has done? Probably a lot of that lot. No, no, don't let don't answer for him. I want to hear. Um, honestly, not a lot. We, uh, I'm. I think I'm more practical than romantic. So I just says I said to Robin, right? Where do you want to go? She wanted to go on holiday. <laughs> I'm like, you can every restaurant, every night. You choose whatever the hell you want us to do, and I will just. I will be there and I'll be present and I'll do it. That, that's I probably that. about yeah, okay. it. You are such gonna, a friend. He's here. such that's a man, isn't he? That's not romantic. That's <laughs> every <laughs> restaurant you want, I'll be there. That's fantastic. That's very Ryan Gosling in the notebook. So you build her a house if she wanted, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. right? That, you're, that's your kind of romance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to let you get away with it. I mean, what's the most romantic thing you've done? Like, are you a flowers guy? Are you the kind of, you know, because it does feel a bit less, I guess, sexy or romantic when your PAs organize the rose petals on the bed. Myself. Right. I would always do something like that myself, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's some more self-development as well as the. the Are you a presents guy? Do you ever do presents? No. Christmas presents honest. though. You do. Yeah, you I must, do Christmas yeah. presents. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, I look after us. So I tell you what. After the deal, we I just says right. Let's go to London, and again, you can just get some nice things for yourself. And it's it's. Uh, yeah. I'll just. I'm very practical. So you s- you start next to her, and she just points, and you go. We'll have we'll that. Get, and we'll you, you just nod at the man over the counter yeah, and he yeah, goes, this is the thing. Yeah. That's what blokes are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. generally speaking. Right. Do you know what I mean? And Am I bet you there's women out there listening me? going, I'd be fucking happy with that. Right. Well, Do you no, know what I'm I mean? sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to the boyfriend they've currently got who does none of that. You know what I mean? He doesn't turn up at the, all. Yeah. And Keep g- the expectations low. Because it's fair to say, obviously, she's very busy herself. She's running her own business. Yeah. So you're 
quite well matched in that sense. Yeah, we're massively well matched, and she completely gets it right. Mm-hmm. Like this horrifying moment. So she's Canadian, right? She'd move over to the UK, and the first time her family had ever come to the UK, they took time to to come to the UK. They landed at uh, half three on the afternoon. I was at work, finished and as a at half five as I'm walking out the office. I find out that I've got to go on a trip to New York and then from New York to California. And basically the day, the morning after they land in Canada for the, in the UK for the first time, I've got to go away for two weeks. You were going to Fiji? Yes, right, exactly that. And then I had to go away on that trip. And I feel like 99% of, I guess, people's misses would go absolutely nuts mm-hmm. at that. And she was mm-hmm. like, it's not great, but, but I get it and go off and do it. And she's just so incredibly supportive. And I think that's so important. How long have you been together roughly? Four or five years, I think. All right, so, so that's interesting then, because that means that you have went through this journey of becoming rich while having a partner. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of guys in that situation would be like having the, what, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, because when you become that guy- Mrs. Shark, looking for Mrs. Shark. <laughs> ev- everyone, being honest, when you become a successful person, man or woman, people of the opposite sex are gonna be drawn to that success. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, yeah, you've got a girlfriend. Have you still had situations that have been um, tricky to deal with in regards to people being opportunistic or, you know, no, not, not respecting the boundaries? No, honestly, like I said, like my personal life is so simple. I don't go out. Mm. Like I rarely, if ever, drink. Like I'm the most boring person you will ever meet <laughs> from a personal point of view. And then obviously I do my gym shop work, and the vast majority of the oh. time she'll come with me for things like that. So is that because you don't enjoy that, or is that like w- why? I no, I don't enjoy it to be honest. I don't like things like that. I think they're. I don't think things that are fleeting are of particular enjoyment like I like I love the thought so if I'm going to spend time on a weekend I'm either going to spend time with Robin I'm going to do something creative something that's going to last a long time if that makes sense and that's what you're thinking with Gymshock is that I'm building something of an empire yeah. that is going to last the test of time yeah. whereas these little moments of happiness all right they're pleasure mm-hmm. but ultimately it's a it's a it's a minute and it's gone yeah and you're yeah. you think putting more time into you know and, and by the way I had to learn this okay so like mm-hmm. when Gymshark first started doing really well I did the typical thing the, exactly the same thing that you did you buy a nice car you do nice things like y- you do do it but it what was kind of the car the, was, was the car so it was the old R8 in 2000 Ooh, yeah. we've, all, we've all made that mistake haven't we yeah, yeah. Been there. so yeah, it's fun there. again you have like I had it and it was it was amazing right it was mm. so much fun and I actually think again that helped by doing that early getting that out of my system having like a sports car and really realizing as cool as it is it's still a car that gets from a to b um i think that's helped me because now i have i'm not like i haven't got the urge to go off and do those things i have no urge to go off and get another sports car because Mm -hmm. i know what it's like i've had it i've experienced it and it was it was cool for what it was yeah i'm the same now weirdly i don't care about what i drive anymore don't yeah. I mean, like, you know, maybe if I had your money, I probably would, like, still go for it. But right. I get what you mean, though. The buzz yeah. goes after yeah. the first time, doesn't it? But the first time is amazing, right? The first time oh. when you, like, Are again, we still talking like, about a car here? It's, right. oh, it's <laughs> yeah. just so cool. I remember, so I remember cool. the first time I got in a sports car and you're just like, I made it. I just, Do you mean this in terms of you, you uh, your own sports car? Yeah, yeah. Because obviously when you come from a normal background, I, I don't know. I just thought I'll never, ever have this. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's unfathomable. It was it's an like, ego thing for yeah. me. When did you? What age did you buy that R8 then? Uh, Twenty-three, I'd imagine. Twenty-two, yeah. something like that. So do you remember where you were when you bought? You went into the dealership. Did you sit? Were you alone when you went to the dealership? Or no, no, me, and, me and Lewis went together, and okay. it was in I, I can't remember where, somewhere in the Midlands. It was somewhere near Redditch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm picturing it now. What colour was it? 
So it was silver, but then I got it wrapped blue, obviously, because yeah. I was at that awkward age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted it to look cool and unique. Um, You're glad you didn't get Gymshark down the yeah, side. No, God, I couldn't. But it, yeah. was, uh, it was so cool. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I just started to fall in love with bikes because I thought they were a bit oh, more Oh, yeah, you like your anonymous. motorbikes, don't you? Yeah. So Absolutely what kind of bikes are we talking here? So Triumph, like, um, like a Scrambler or like a Thruxton. I love just custom bikes because I, I love the fact that you, you get the speed, you get the enjoyment, but you can be sort of anonymous with it as well. And it's like bikes has a cool community. I don't know if you've ever been to the bike shed in London, places like that. Like bikers are just cool as shit. Yeah. Like no one cares what you do. No one cares where you're from. It's just, you can just go somewhere and have a chat with someone. Is that becoming that. more appealing to you? The yeah. more successful you get of that anonymity and that being trapped for who you really are rather than Mr. Gymshark. Yeah. And like me and my mates, we just love bikes. Yeah. And we're not like racers we'll just tootle along on our bikes in the lanes at 30 mile an hour stop off at a pub have some food and a drink chat with each other and then carry on you, and that that's so cool for me have you ever done a road trip or anything sort of long oh, way god. down long way around sort of thing oh god we did so we did one road trip in the u.s and we thought we thought we were so cool right we thought <laughs> we'll leave we'd go out of vegas we were going up to utah and we Obviously. thought we'd do this really cool trip but i did that with a british like mentality thinking there'd be windy roads there'd right. be this there'd be that and we literally got out of Vegas. Yeah, and it was exactly that. It said, they sat down was, stay straight on this road mm-hmm. for 200 miles. Yeah. And then our destination was about half a mile off that road. So I was literally sat there for hours. My phone ran, yeah. out, of, oh, my, I ran out of battery. It was pitch black. I was freezing cold. Um, we did this road trip and it was just one straight road. That's, that is America though, isn't it? It's basically just one straight road to another place. It was cool. I mean, on Instagram, it looked amazing. But in yeah. reality... Yeah, the pictures look good. I see yeah. them. I was like, this was, guy's got more to him than me. It was, it was freezing cold and do terrible. You, do you have your eye on any particular bike then? Like, do you have some, you know, because there are people who do custom oh, designed yeah. bikes. So, no, so I, my Thruxton was customized by, there's a guy called Jody, mm-hmm. um, called Thornton 100, who's like Milton Keynes way. He, he like, he would do every bike I ever have. He's mm-hmm. utterly brilliant. And you're very progressive in terms of Gymshark. You progressive on the road as well are you like sort of electric bike guy or are you uh classic petrol um, guy? old right. scrambler old thruxton like more old bikes mm-hmm. i'd like one of those harleys with a fat back wheel yeah like um, again a harley would be so cool yeah. one of my mates got a harley and i think they're brilliant people might think that brian's just playing with this he's actually sent me a few web pages where he's uh, gone i'm thinking about this <laughs> well genuinely i love yeah. them they just mm-hmm. look beautiful what yeah. kind of helmet would you go for like <laughs> fuck off no genuinely <laughs> you go for like flames on the helmet or mm, maybe get my logo on there okay i like yeah. that yeah but then, you... then everyone knows who you are so probably not yeah it's good i get you... gymshark and people think i'm ben it's fine so, yeah. do, you, do you ride bikes or not or no just... no i just want to get into he it he wants to get into it you so maybe this is a maybe this part of the rebuild series where you so two go cool. for a little ride <laughs> together it's, it's like the bike shed which is not far from here they do the gentleman's but gentleman's ride i every started year. looking mm-hmm. into doing my license and all that and i didn't realize like it takes you years before you're allowed to even get a harley that's that fast so. right uh, not yeah. if you're not if you're a certain age if you're a certain age now you do your mod one and mod two and then you can okay that's well, you're right. definitely that age all right well thank you yeah just checking appreciate that mm. um i was just wondering you know back the gym shop mm. how do you select all of the designs now and stuff are you not even how involved are you in that to now, very heavily, but only because I'm specifically in a product-based role. Okay. Um, why have you moved, Why have you pivoted back there then? Um, just because the the old products officer left, so I jump in. So I've done, and wow. in, in, we've got like we'll call it sounds quite corporate, like a C-suite of individuals. So I'll have marketing, brand, commercial, product, people, and so on. I've sat between brand, marketing, and now product. So I think having that holistic view and understanding of each department really helps. Mm. Um, and I've 
been there from the start. I have a decent understanding of it. And to be honest, the team's so good uh, in product. It means that someone like me, who's fairly inexperienced in managing a product team of this size, can can do it okay. So, so these people are just drawing them out in front of you, uh, and they're just holding up, going, "What do you reckon of this boss?" Or how? I mean, explain uh, it. I don't know. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's it's far ahead. So we'll look at say in eighteen months or in two years, we want to produce. I'm going to say. 10 products of which two two of them will be leggings two of them will be bottoms two of them will be t-shirts and so on and then that will then go into the design team which will then mm. spend several months designing we'll normally over design so if we want 10 products we'll design 20. Um, each product will have to have a specific purpose so going back to the the um the power range that might be specifically for like a, an old school lifter inspired by rag tops gold gym venice or like a an ironworks in birmingham and then, but equally you might have a speed range, which is more around running. So you start off with your purpose and you design, and basically you just sort of work through designs until you get to that final 10 products. And then it get, then, then moves through the rest of the product team. How much are you looking made. at what other people are doing? So are you guys buying a load of swoosh stuff and sort of going through it and ripping it apart or? No, so that's, that is a much more fashion focused way of doing it. So I think in the fashion industry, they tend to do a lot of that. Whereas yeah. we're much more around the first thing is what is the purpose like why are we making that are we making that just because we fancy it are we wasting our time are we making it because we think it's the right thing to do that comes across by the way Mm. in in the material in in the quality of the clothes and also the design is it's quite minimal it's not like heavily like oh there's this stripes across like you know obviously when you look at what nike do or whoever like for example and we were even just looking through the Gymshock website before you came, and I, I, I made that comment. I think it was Lawrence says, uh, that's because they are made for purpose more yeah. so than look mm. at me, look at me sort of thing. Was, is that yeah. a conscious thing for you guys to be more about the conditioning or whatever? Yeah, it's it is, for us, it's all about conditioning. Mm. All about conditioning. Because uh, ultimately, that's where we want to go. Like We're not into sport. We're not making stuff for you to wear on the football pitch or anything like that. We're all about the gym. And that's really important. And, 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 and as, just to be clear, is that, the whole, that is the complete direction long-term. Because yeah. I did wonder, you know, obviously Gymshock is, it's in the name, but would there ever come a time where you do want to compete with, you know, the way Nike and Adidas used to be sporting and then they went to streetwear and all of the mm. others? Would they ever just be shark or... Street what? shark. What? Yeah, shark street or shark or something. Yeah. I don't know. You Cricket know I mean? shark. Is that just completely never <laughs> yeah. on the... There's no, literally no plans whatsoever. Okay. Whatsoever. Because we think that, like, we want to be there to, you know, tailor to the elite athlete, but equally the accountant that fancies going to the gym once mm. every other week. That's really important to us. And we think that's the market's more than big enough. And we think it's, you know, it's what we're passionate about. Is that why you don't do uh, trainers, for example? Um, that's something that we would definitely look at doing, but we don't at the moment. So we, again, we wouldn't do football boots or football uh-huh. cleats, but maybe like a gym shoe is that's, I'd like that's that, something I think way. we'd look at. If, if you, yeah, because I'm, this is one thing when I look for gym shoes, mm. I literally, I'm like, where the, what do we do? Like, and you look at uh, Adidas and Nike or whatever, and then there's shoes that I'd wear for boxing, but mm. I wouldn't wear for deadlifting or, yeah. you know, whereas if you guys, I think that'd be a great move if you guys came and said, these are your deadlift shoes. These are the shoes for, you know yeah. what I mean? And if you're looking for your Michael Jordan, <laughs> then, then, then there he is. You've got yeah. Brian in the dunk position on the side of the shoe. It'd be incredible. The gym's a funny one because, like, people, especially in powerlifting, like, I mean, if I'm deadlift, I often wouldn't even wear shoes. Same. Do you know what I mean? You just because you want to be as close to the ground as possible. Mm. You don't want to be wearing, like, a spongy sole because then it just takes away from the lift and it's. 
Yeah, so powerlifting's an interesting one. I mean, I, I wore squat shoes for a little bit, um, but again, it just ended up a bit, a bit of hassle. It was an extra mm-hmm. pair of shoes to wear to the gym, so I ended up squatting barefoot as well. But that's why people go to you guys, because you guys make what we already know, we've learned from, but, but actually applicable to the gym. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I think you guys would be the perfect people to do that. There's, mm. um, how often do you look at other big brands? Because it's fair to say that almost since Gymshark has come along, the big brands have gone a lot more into gym stuff like i think reebok have do do, do you feel like you've been ripped off a bit i wouldn't say we've been ripped off like like i said it's it's so important for me like we're we're building the business based on where we think it should go and like i don't want to sort of contaminate my brain with constantly thinking about what other people are doing because then i'll end up in some competitive space and doing things to spite other businesses and so on that just doesn't make sense for the long term so to be honest, I actively try to not look at what other people are doing. Interesting. That's fascinating. We do the same with YouTube. We just think, don't watch other YouTubers. I mean, they're bad. But yeah. uh, no, but seriously though, um, it is bad for you creatively because then you become too aware of what else is going on and you stop following your own creative ideas. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that that's okay for you guys because like you said, you're not sort of fashion-based. You are more function-based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're actually practically testing your product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are also a hundred other startups a year, though, who are trying to be the next Gymshark. How do you guys remain ahead of those people? Because that is fair to say, there are you're doing a, an interview right now. There are a lot mm-hmm. of other people who could just go, "We can do that too." What? What? what and, and there was when we started as well. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people doing the same thing as us, and a lot of those aren't around anymore. And to be honest, that's important to me because it makes me remember just how. We've worked incredibly hard, but we're so fortunate to be in the position that we're I like in. the flex there. Oh, that was a Vince oh, yeah. McMahon move, that. They're, they're not around anymore. You brought WCW. Who's, still, who's yeah. still here, bitch? Yeah, exactly. We're still here. Yeah. I get it. But, I mean, ultimately, do you regret calling it Gymshark? No. No, good. Just checking. I mean, no, I'm joking. Honest. I am joking. I, I, Brian and I were joking before. Like, you know, uh, there's obviously, everyone's got a sentimental name. Why yeah. did you name it specifically Gymshark? Because it is a very unique branding name, isn't it? It's, it's not like a... Yeah. It doesn't and sound like the other brands. The, so now it feels like a big thing to name Gymshark that's at the current size that it's at. But again, going back to the start, there were six other websites I was running and four iPhone apps. This was such an arbitrary decision. It was right. me <laughs> sat in my mom and dad's living room buying a £3.50 domain off GoDaddy. Oh, I love it. it, it do you know what I mean? It's not it's, like it, it wasn't a big that's thing. That's one thing you guys have done so well, by the way, is the perception of the name. So now when I say, when I'm telling people, oh, I'm signing with Gymshark, we're going to mm. do podcasts and all that's oh, big that's big it's huge <laughs> it is, yeah. but I remember when Gymshark was that sort of um, cult following little yeah. bodybuilding group you know mm-hmm. what I mean and I'm like wow like you guys are, are now seen as so mainstream yeah. and, and Gymshark is seen as premium back then it was a little bit of a I don't know some people thought it was a bit of a funny name yeah, yeah. and it has changed so much I don't like. I guess influencer marketing. I think is one of the main ways that that's done. That right. and credit yeah. to you guys because that wasn't even a word. No one even had the word influence when you started. You were just the, ahead of the game for that. Yeah. Uh, I said to you when I met you, one of the first uh, groups I remember you sponsoring were the Hodge Twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had them on the podcast. They were like, for those who don't know, comedy bodybuilders is the yeah. best way I could kind of <laughs> describe them. I mean, they were hilarious. Mm-hmm. You were a fan, I was yeah, a fan, everyone. Fun. They're one of the first YouTube uh, guys to hit a million subscribers. One of the reasons I started YouTube even. 
Uh, and yeah, that was the first time I seen Gymshark was the Hodge Twins. And they, now, they were so cool. They were so cool. Yeah. What was it like nuts. sponsoring them and getting, because this was, an, uh, I saw it was one of the first big YouTubers yeah. you'd ever contacted. What was that like? Well, I sent about 15 emails to them constantly, like <laughs> every week for weeks to get their attention for yeah. one. Um, and it was weird to meet them because they're, I mean, I don't know if, it, how, if you experienced this, but on camera, they're so like out there they're so in your face mm. they'd like you know zoom up to the camera and like mm. squint their eyes and stuff um so i expected them to like run up to me and be like right in my face but they were super chill super cool guys yeah. like proper down to earth very polite you know like they were just super cool guys mm. to be honest but it was weird um and then going back to those first people that we sponsored those first athletes it wasn't like a plan or a considered decision it wasn't like oh we're gonna do this influencer marketing thing or we're going to invent this or anything like that it was just a case of we're fans of everyone that we work with like genuine fans and even to this day and like i said i'm fans of what you guys do i've been a fan for a long time it was james that actually actually introduced me to you guys mm. um shout out james and it's yeah i mean we, we've always been massive fans so to meet them has always been really cool for me because i'm sort of meeting my heroes so if the first ever event we did we, we you know brought people in from california and from germany and from the uk mm. and they were just my heroes because that's what I watched growing up. The event was a bit of a turning point for you in a sense, wasn't this it? This was body power. Yeah. 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 And that was one of those occasions where we emptied our bank account and it could have gone either way, right? It could, <laughs> that could have been the end of Gymshark as we know it, but we were in such a fortunate position that mm -hmm. it went so well. And going back to, I guess, the other people that were doing it at the time that maybe aren't around now, we did that and it went well. So we did it times five. We did the UK, we did Germany, we did Australia, we did LA, we did Ohio. And to be like 21, allocating hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds on just going to events because the first one worked and because of no other rationale other than that, um, I think that really helped us as well. You'd make a good poker player. You ever played poker? Never in my life. Mate, you'd make a great <laughs> poker player. You, I, I guarantee like I it. Yeah, I, I mean, guarantee. Brian's saying that because he knows you can fund the, the poker player. And then he'll win. Yeah. No, yeah. I'll teach you. Yeah. We're going to make well, we a lot of money. We have interviewed Dan Bilzerian before. We know how successful he is now. We heard about Dan Bilzerian's uh, business. He'll come up on my YouTube oh, saying that he's... has tits, mate. Yeah. I don't think he's gone particularly yeah, I think, well. I think um, yeah. Ignite, they lost like 50 million last year. And yeah. Whatever else. It shows, though, again, how... Because he was very much... He kind of took that influencer marketing thing he, to another level well he did smash it to be fair to him but the problem is is he wasn't like you saying he wasn't being completely transparent so he was saying things like i own this house 65 million pound house now everything's going tits they mm. they've realized that his Happy house renting. was rented and a lot of this is just daddy's money as we expected basically mm. it's quite a strange but, um, story how do you feel about influencer marketing generally now that i guess other companies are trying to replicate what you do do you do you feel so, a bit of ownership over that or um, are you just like whatever? I don't feel, no, I don't feel ownership any, any, anyway. So there's, again, going back to the start, there was influencer marketing blew up. We fell upon it and we didn't, have a, we didn't have a clue what we were doing at the start, but there was two distinct directions that we could have taken it. And some brands go the one direction, which is send all your product to as many people as you can and just batter the internet with your product through influencer marketing. So we had the, and there was times where we thought, is this the way to go? But we went the other way. Um, I actually modelled it on football. Again, my love for Villa was 
let's have a small group of individuals that truly resonate with the Gymshark values that we know, do you know what I mean? We have the conversation with, we have the relationship with, and that's how we're going to build the Gymshark team, which again was a great decision that we made because that's led to people truly wanting to be a part of the team rather than it just being an arbitrary, right. you know, send and wear our stuff. But I mean, I've been in a great position where I've been able to watch influencer marketing from day one as a like a complete neutral as someone that's again only in the only in recent years actually been anywhere near the internet i've been able to see all the different people that came on i saw the original people that literally just did what they did because they love it the original people purely did it because that's just what they love they just loved lifting weights they loved mm-hmm. the gym and they happened to have a camera with them and then there was this period where there was this influx right there was a huge influx of people that saw wow this is fame there's glory here and there was just almost overnight thousands of people that were doing it i hate this and and that and that that came in a wave and all of a sudden it came way more difficult for us and we Mm. really had to be careful about who we work with we really had to get to know them understand them and that's where we started the whole we want to meet people before they join onto the team did you get did you get burned at all in that time yeah there's been times when we've been burnt we've brought people on that that retrospectively that we wish we hadn't but we wouldn't have learned Name names, otherwise come on, let's no, have it. <laughs> no but, was there a moment though I just, I, where you were like this is the, my biggest regret in terms of allowing us to sponsor was there because I've seen videos popping up where they're all they're having a pop with you guys they're saying mm-hmm. why I got dropped by Gymshark or you know um, they've been made is there anyone who yeah. did was there any one moment where you guys had a bit of a inside crisis in Gymshark of how the fuck do we get away from this no not really i think we're, we're very transparent so mm. i think we have the conversation early which i think is important and you know nine times out of ten they're probably feeling the same way mm. it's a little bit of relief for both parties and the video goes live because it's clickbait and gets views that's right, that would be my perception the, the, the one the one i noticed obviously being a fight fan and i love darren till he was he was and with you amazing. guys and, and interestingly obviously darren had his moment uh, where he was on holiday and it all went fucking crazy. He was he was obviously on the drink, and he did what he did. Yeah. And you guys had to part ways with him. Yeah. Now, what surprised me was normally people stay salty. There's bad blood. Fuck mm-hmm. you guys. You dropped me. You had the billion pound valuation, and Darren Till was one of the people who posted that on his story, mm-hmm. congratulating you. That was interesting. I, I just found mm-hmm. that fascinating da- that he didn't have that. Darren is one of the. He's one of the best people I've ever met. He's, he's nuts, right? He's absolutely nuts. <laughs> and he, to be honest, he's the first proper, proper athlete that I'd met. And he came into our offices and we were a small, small business at the time. Mm. And I've never had this feeling before. And I was like, I was sort of getting into, you know, the MMA world. I didn't understand it massively. Mm-hmm. Obviously followed like the McGregors of this world, but I, I knew a bit about Darren and we were chatting away. And I was just like, you know, level with me, mate. Like, what, what's the deal? What, what is it that you want from this? And he like looked me dead in the eye and he was like, in his Scouse accent, I'm going to be a champion. And you know, when it was like, fucking hell. And like mm. the, you know, you get goosebumps and it's like, mm. and you fucking believed him as well. Because he, and he's so like stronger than if you've met him or anything. And you just look at it, like his yeah. face and you know that he could, you know, he's a, he's a warrior. Mm-hmm. He's, and he's such a cool guy, like yeah. such a great guy. And we, I went out to, um, to Dallas to watch him fight. And, you know, he was in the hotel with us. We were, you know, chatting away, like, up until you know just before the fight just after the fight such a great guy such mm. a great guy yeah. i so mean it's, it's a difficult conversation to have then when you have to part ways yeah and i mean like we've been constantly saying to him like darren you know we love you to bits but we need you to you know do this and if it didn't work for him there's just no hard feelings like no hard feelings mm. and again like i 
help him out all day long if he ever needed it. Just a great guy. Yeah, so I, 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 I rated that from him. There was a t- touch of class when he when he bigged you guys up mm, after yeah. what had gone on. I was like, okay, that's still positive vibes then, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you guys have built a massive social media following. Okay. It's no, it's been <laughs> it's been amazing. Genuinely, like I, I think when we partnered with you, I was like, these guys might be helping us a little bit because mm. you guys have got such a following. Part of that is obviously the women, mm-hmm. and I wondered how, what kind of process you go through in how what kind of pictures you guys post and how are they selected and is there a what the social media team are told and stuff like that because you kind of have to toe a line between being athletic but mm-hmm. also you know you want people to click the likes on the pictures and stuff like that what, what's that process like so that that will sit within the the social team so we'll mm. have like a creative content team who thousands of imagery mm. videos all sorts of things and you're probably talking about like the more organic social so your instagrams and so on mm-hmm. um and yeah, they'll ultimately have a bunch of different things that we want to achieve. And ultimately, that's all about inspiring the conditioning community and bringing mm. people together. Um, there's certain times of the month, it might be product-focused stuff. There's certain times of the month. So this month in the UK is Black History Month. So obviously, mm. we're going to focus on Black History a little bit more. Um, it really varies, to be honest. It really varies. But they have a lot of, um, I guess, scope to decide as to what exactly mm. that they want to post. Um, you know, there's times when that's been brilliant. There's times when that hasn't gone the right way. Mm. Um, but I think that's the one of the, I guess, pros and cons of growing the business as quickly as, as what we have mm. is that I've ultimately had to relinquish control in certain areas. So Elf, who heads up our social, is utterly brilliant. He's one of the best in the world. He's brilliant. But even as the best in the world, it doesn't mean that you're going to get it right every time. Quite difficult to trust people with that, though, isn't it? And when people that's do big. mess up, it's difficult to work out. Yeah, it's big. I mean, mm. like, you know, within reason, Alfred can... He controls all of our socials from TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, everything. He controls the messaging. And that's so um, important. And there's a huge responsibility with that. Massive. Obviously, um, you guys had a bit of a, a sticky moment earlier in the year with the, it was Blue Lives Matter or something. Mm. Someone commented. And then there was a joke that went back to them yeah. saying, we're looking forward to Avatar. And then you you personally had them. I can only imagine what was going through your fucking head, mate. You're like, oh, fuck And I got Christ. rinsed. Yeah. I, got, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I was having death threats by the mm. minute, everything. Because the police, um, to a lot of people, their, their dads, their brothers, their mothers and father. Yeah. And, to, and to us as well. I yeah. think it was, it was, so what, again, going back to that relinquishing control is, I think an individual had posted something, but they just, we're, you know, the social media team at the moment, because covid slowed down our u.s expansion and our denver mm. office it, they're all uk based so they didn't truly understand the context, comment right. or the context commented back something that they shouldn't have done mm. and then it just blows up from there so yeah i mean social media is great when it's going well but when it's not going well as uh, you know you guys are well aware it just turns on you so quickly we've never had that so just for context for those who weren't involved in that it was obviously a joke response back by the social media team yeah. and then I don't know how true this is I've seen another post about someone said oh the police won't be happy and then the reply was we'll be okay or something like that yeah i want to know what it was like being you at that moment because you've relinquished control of the social media but now this is coming back on you personally Mm -hmm. directly affecting you Mm -hmm. what is it like experiencing that to that that is it's so hard Mm. like and again that's huge respect to what you guys for what you guys do but it's so hard and it's it's a weird one because i've seen other people and i've been around social people for you know the best part of 10 years now and i'll say give them the same advice it's okay you know just don't think about it but when you're actually there 
when you've got people saying next time you're in America I'm going to blow your head off it's mm. like wow that's weird and it's just hard and and you in- never put yourself out as that guy and all of a sudden it's been it's been forced yeah. on you now yeah. yeah and it's not what we believe right it was mm. just a rogue comment it was just silly and we got it wrong but ultimately it's my responsibility the social media team everything that happens at Gymshark is ultimately my responsibility mm. and when it goes well brilliant when it doesn't it's not um yeah it was horrible to be completely candid it was absolutely horrible but and this is the thing that i didn't really realize and i didn't i didn't probably take i didn't realize until it happened was i can have all those people you know having to go at me online but i have to deal with it and i have to be up first thing in the morning and i have to be at the office and i have to be leading i have to be thinking about the other problems that we have to solve and i also have to solve Mm. that um so albeit it was really hard for me to read the post and understand what I needed to do and react but then I also found it quite difficult to sort of put a brave face on it and continue to smile lead and be positive to everyone else at Jim that, that's throughout. the bit I find interesting after being through some of the stuff that's happened and seeing um, some of my friends who even if they put a bad football opinion out like it takes days for people yeah. to like stop tweeting you yeah how many days would, did you feel like it took for you to just feel like you were through the eye of the storm even just like oh god so the, the eye of the storm was like about 10 days, week mm. to 10 days, but then you still get them. And it's weird because I could be chill, happy. And it's like, you feel that sinking feeling as mm. soon as you see something else that, come, mm. that comes to well, you. it's back. I, I, I mean, I was calling people. I was messaging everyone back. I was doing as much as I could to try and fix the situation. But you know, some people just didn't want to know. And that's, and that's cool. I get that. This is the main question people will be having is, I guess, what happened to the employee who posted that? We, you know, we looked into it and they're still with us and they will be for the foreseeable future. It was, it was completely and utterly not their fault. Okay. The, the, the fault was, was ultimately with me for not giving strong enough guardrails to the social team as to what we could and couldn't do. What, what, what kind of guardrails were given? Guardrails. So the guardrails would be like, uh, so we will say we want to be positive, professional and proud, like very basic sort of top line stuff, but we didn't ever go into too much detail as to what mm. not to do. And not enough education in terms of what was going on in the US, particularly heading into the US election, what are the topics, what are the things that Jim Shark should and shouldn't get involved in, which is a weird thing at the moment, like mm. politically, the left and the right are so far away from each other, private individuals and businesses, you see like Rashford, what he's done, brilliant, but having to get involved in these political areas, and it's about understanding where we do get involved and where we don't get involved, and we didn't ever give the social team the guardrails as to what we do and don't get involved in, and what we don't have an opinion on. Um, so again, ultimately, that, that comes down to me. So I have to jump in and, and fix that as soon as I can. But I, res- I respect what you're saying, but it's, you're, you're taking a massive amount of responsibility there. So my, my concern, a lot of people are asking about that employee. My concern at the moment is this sort of cancel culture mentality. Mm. Anyone, anyone that's run a business or you know, does anything in their life knows you have to make mistakes to improve. But otherwise, if you only had people at the top that had never made mistakes, then you'd end up with sort of like nobodies sort mm-hmm. of thing you have to make mistakes to improve. And I think if someone makes a mistake and you just cancel them or you remove them from the problem, then you're just going to end up, you know, exaggerating and, uh, you know, adding to the problem in the long term. How, where where do you draw those parameters for Gymshark in terms of being political? Because obviously uh, Black Lives Matter is kind of seen as a political thing, but actually, and how do you guys work out what Black Lives Matter means to Gymshark? Because it's kind of morphed a little bit it's fair to say in a lot of people's minds since yeah. it started so we don't see that as political so we don't want to be involved in anything political that's mm-hmm. really important to us we don't see what happened to george floyd as being particularly political mm-hmm. like for us the supporting of 
you know, equality for everyone. For me, is that's just a human right. And do you think your do you think Jim Shark represents that in that sense? Not I'm not I'm not going to do a gotcha question here, but I mean like do you do you think as a company you represent diversity in those kind of things? Yeah, I hope so. Mm-hmm. I think so. It's really important to us. It's really really important to us. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I want us to be as diverse as, as possible. And do you set goals to to achieve that sort of thing? So do you want a certain number of employees to be from a certain background or those kind um, of things? Or is so so that's what we're working through now, and it's it's a really complex problem because equality is different in terms of what what do you define as equality do you define equality as equality of opportunity or equality of outcome i'm not convinced by defining equality from the outcomes is probably the right way of doing it Mm -hmm. but what you want to do is um, you want to have equality of opportunity so you might say for example why aren't there enough people in the finance department from this background and then you might go right so what's the core problem are we recruiting in the right way are we doing the right things are we speaking to the right people what may have led to this rather than defining an outcome mm-hmm. i'm not convinced defining an outcome is the right thing to do mm-hmm. obviously um adidas are a big company they have signed um kanye mm-hmm. to be a creator for them mm-hmm. uh first question i guess was would you do a similar sort of thing with someone <laughs> to have arranged no, i mean <laughs> i'm creative granted right. uh, but also and also what do you just what do you think of kanye west that would interest i just thought it'd be an interesting one what do i think i tell you what i want kanye west to be a genius um, I'd love it if he was. I haven't watched his most recent uh, podcast. Joe um, Bit of a letdown, I'm not Yeah, sure. I haven't yeah. watched it. I, to be honest, I, I, didn't, I seen it come live and then I was going to watch it and I thought, oh, I've seen some of his stuff in the past. I need to be in the right frame of mind. I just wasn't. And then a lot of my mates watched it and were just like, maybe it's probably not what you thought, think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Were you a fan of his work before? Like his music? Yeah, I think right. it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. But you I think and I should be friends. Yeah, I think. <laughs> but then, then I watch him at times and I think, God, you're just an absolute lunatic. You're you and I should be friends. Um, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm sort of conflicted. Um, I'd like him to be a genius, but I don't know whether he is or not. I mm-hmm. think he's just good at music and, you know, he designed a pretty cool pair of trainers once and I think he's just take, he's run with that a bit too He's He's designed, to, to be, be fair to him, he's designed a lot of cool pairs of trainers. And, and yeah, but he's had help along the way with all that. He didn't Absolutely. just design all them himself. He had a guy, you yeah. remember... Uh, it was Jerry Lorenzo. Yeah, that's the, the one. The, the guy behind the silhouette that's in the first the guy. place. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you got Kim Kardashian Kardashian, pal, but you know, just calm down a bit. Jealousy is not the emotion, though, Brian. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you, um, do you say they went on a holiday where they were like, let's pretend it's not COVID anymore? Yeah. Do you say that? That was unusual. And like, but, but the, well, the, he the, also bought Kim Kardashian a hologram of her father for her birthday. In have you which, seen this? Have you I've seen the video? So you, obviously, her dad passed away when right. she was younger. A lovely man. Great man. And well, he defended uh, OJ Simpson. We don't talk about that. All right. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> there's like this hologram, and you might have seen the two pack hologram and so forth. He comes out and he says, what a genius she's with now. He, he, mm-hmm. So there's this hologram. He's like, I'm Kimberly, I'm very proud of you. I, uh, you know, I love the woman you've become. And you're with the most, 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 most genius man in the world. And I was like, Kanye scripted this to be a present so for he you. complimented himself through a hologram of a dead man. Dead yeah. dad, yeah. yeah. That's it. That's a real, I mean. <laughs> to be fair. That's mental. You that thought he mental. was a genius. That is a genius move. That's a genius move. I mean, I've got your dad's approval. Yeah. So, well, have yeah. you, Kanye? Yeah. In has, a way. Has he given you the seal of approval? Well, I just heard his name. Mm. Yep, yeah, there he goes. So weird. And he disappeared and um, back up to heaven. Do you think you do a similar deal with like Travis Scott type dude or whatever? Um, um, I don't know, to be honest. I haven't, I haven't thought about that before. Because you guys do kind of have a few people who are very close to your business that it, it's fair to say influence quite a lot. Yeah. 
um, you know, whenever we come to the office, there is always someone around yeah. kind of influencing in some way mm-hmm. or just wandering around. Yeah. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. <laughs> who am I talking about? You're talking about the guy. Um, Ross. 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 Ross is incredible. Ross is an incredible He's just mopping the floor yeah. today. Yeah. Like, I just <laughs> love being here. Genuinely, we were in the meeting and we met you, obviously, and yeah. then you had to go. I think you had a call. And then Ross just wandered in and was just sort of like, hey, I'm yeah, Ross. He and it, he? He's sort yeah. of like the office dog in a way. Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. always there. I'm not being mean when I say that. Like, the guy wrote a very good book by Oliver. So yeah, like we're not and, Swam, and Swamman has done some incredible stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we do collabs with people, but I mean, in terms of a musician, I'm I'm honestly not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely don't know. Like, it, it depends on if it fits with our overarching purpose and, and sort of vision. Yeah. So, so for example, with Nike and Jordan, they that became a monster all on its own, and it never yeah. was expected. Would you, I'm just wondering if you'd look to replicate something like that, where you pick an athlete and go, right, we're going to make a, another company through him, for example, would that be? To like a sub-brand sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, but I mean, obviously Jordan has now become so huge, huge that it's, it's, it's Nike, not yeah. even looked upon as Nike anymore. It's, yeah. it's its own beast, isn't it? I mean, we definitely consider it. Mm. It's just not something I've thought of, to be honest. True, mm. coming soon. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> to be fair, True True Shark would be a great brand. <laughs> it would um, be incredible. Well, why did you, uh, we never really resolved why you did call it Gymshark, and did you have any other names that you were gonna oh, call it in idea. the first place? No, it was so I was literally scrolling around and I seen like a, a an American football mascot and it was like a um, it was like a cat and it was like a muscular cat because it was like American football mm. and I literally just thought I oh, wouldn't that be cool if it was a shark and then mm. just went on to GoDaddy put in Jim Shark and it was again like three quid right so just I much prefer it. the new logo I've got to be honest that's right. one that yeah. is sick that logo is premium mm-hmm. the obviously the muscular shark it had its time and it was yeah. like. It, it's now in the history books for you guys. I've seen like the yeah, way it's like uh, legacy. It's it can be framed. retro, in the sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, how did you come to choose the new logo? Uh, I'm assuming you were given loads of different yeah. versions. So we did. Um, so we did the the events that I spoke about. So we sort of travelled the world. We did all the events, and that was bodybuilding. It was purely bodybuilding these events. And um, I got home, and this is when, I, like I mentioned, we had these sort of conversations of where do we want to take this? Do we want to be a Birmingham-based bodybuilding brand or do we want to try and be a global fitness brand? And there was a sort of brief to myself was we need a logo that appeals as much to me as it does my mom. And that's where we sort of got with this. It still had to be sharp focused. We wanted mm. it to be dynamic. Um, to be honest, when we first launched that logo, a lot of people didn't like it. They thought, thought, thought it was too far away from where we were before. But I think just over years of sort of backing it up, I think now people seem to really like it. Yeah, you've got to kind of have it in situ somewhere. You've got people have got to see it in clothes. Yeah. You've got to kind of make that vision work. Yeah. And obviously then you've got to put it in the huge on the front of your building and that'll make people <laughs> that accept it. That certainly helps. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Basically, we always get in a taxi when we go, we go to the Gymshark office and the guy always goes, so I'm with a shark on the front. I'm like, that'll be the one. <laughs> yeah. It's a strange experience when you go to Birmingham sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've written down, um, what's your toughest moment as a boss to date? Toughest moment. I guess Black Friday was supposedly quite tough for you guys, wasn't it? Was that yeah, so one? we had a terrible time a few years ago. Like, terrible. So we, um, basically our website crashed on Black Friday and everything went wrong that could possibly go wrong. It was like, we were charging people that we didn't know were you know meant to have stuff. We were sending out stuff to people that hadn't had their card charged. It was everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. Um, oh, that's and that's we were, that. oh God, it was, it took... I mean, it, it probably took us a good year to recover. It was terrible to the point where I was like, I'd have several hours in the morning where I would literally handwrite cards to each individual that had the problem. And I had to, like, in terms of like handwriting cards to try and apologize for what we'd done. Um, we just sent out a load of stuff for free as well. That, that was, that was really, really tough. It's quite humbling. How, did you lose money in that situation? Oh God, yeah. 
yeah. tons. Any, like it set the business idea? back a year. Just I've, I've got no. I, w- I dread to think, but it it would have been a substantial amount. What millions? I'd imagine so. It was it was a huge step back. That's bloody hell! Mm. It was an absolute nightmare, and that was probably one of the points where you know when you think because it would been good up until that point. Yeah. It'd been chill. We've been flying around the world, meeting cool people, and then it was like, okay, your decisions have consequences here, and we built a website that wasn't robust. And it was, again, it was completely our fault. Wow. Let's hope it's intact for this Black Friday. <laughs> uh, because now you've got all these great influences. Uh, goals for the future. I know you've said a little bit of that in the yeah. podcast. But if there's, one, if there's one sort of top line goal where you're like, this is what I want to achieve with Gymshark. Yeah, so I want, I want Gymshark to be to the UK what like Addy is to Germany, Lulu mm. to Canada and Nike to the US. Like, I want to do something that like, I guess the whole of the UK can be really proud of. Mm. I want to do something that lasts way beyond all of our lives and yeah i want to build a brand in the right way like i've seen again privy to the way that a lot of brands are built i've seen them built in a very ruthless way i want the brand on the front end and the back end to be built in the right way um, and i want it to inspire as many people as possible a multi-year deal with the drew Jordy podcast yeah. not just a well, one year and done <laughs> kind of and thing yeah <laughs> the other thing i just want to say as well is like what you guys are doing is utterly brilliant like i've talked a lot about gymshark how we're trying to create the future is like in 20 years time, TV will just not be a thing in the way that it is mm-hmm. today. Like YouTube and compu- like what we see today is the V2 to yesterday's V1. Mm-hmm. You're the V2 to the media of yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I believe that with every bone in my body. And I think what you're doing is you're pioneering the future. And I think you need to continue to do that. because I think it's very, very, very important. Thank you. Yeah. yeah but I, no, I appreciate that because uh, in working with you guys, and I can hand on heart say this, I've never had an easier group of people to work with in terms of a brand. So relaxed, so chill. I've never once had anyone say, this is what you need to say. Mm-hmm. Like, that's unheard of. Credit to you, you built a, a, a company that understands influencers and actually are ahead of the, the game. And I think that's, I'd like to think that's why you guys were involved with us because there are so many big companies who are miles behind. Yeah. And I think because you've got this forward thinking attitude, that's why you're going to stay ahead of the, a lot of these companies. Open minded, I think, okay. is the best way to describe yeah, it. Because we, we came to, um, you guys were the first guys to see the rebuild mm-hmm. uh, in that yeah. room. And that uh, was never asked for. I was like, uh, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> I was going to do it, but it was also quite interesting because you were obviously quite nervous to show people because I think we were used to the other kind of relationship where people go, change this, do this, do that, do yeah. that. And it just turned into this incredibly kind of positive situation where everyone was like, I love this bit. And this bit was really good. Yeah. And Gymshark's in this bit. And Jim's in and All the boys were super nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was are. nice. We really respect what influencers and what creators do. Like, you're the experts at what you do. Mm. Like, the last thing you need is someone getting involved and, like, rummaging through your underwear drawer sort of thing. Like, you don't want Definitely that. You don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but it's so... A uh, breath of fresh air, though, because these companies aren't like that. Yeah. They think... Well, I watch YouTube, therefore I can do YouTube. It's like me trying to turn up the gym yeah. shop and be like, you know, change everything in the clothes or whatever. It's just no. But to, be, to be fair, Ben is doing YouTube, so <laughs> that's, that's awkward. It's, well, it's, um, it's hard. Yeah. Like that whole thing is like so one of the reasons I fell in love with the gym, right? Is because if I go five days a week for a year, at the end of the year, I'm in a better position than where I was, right? right? So mm-hmm. what you get out, what you put in. With YouTube, you don't necessarily get out what you put in, and it's a really complex place to be, and it's a complex place to oh, work. Mate, mate. And that's why I admire what you guys do so much because yeah. it is so complex. It's so di- like so. For example, if you can imagine, there's some YouTubers who are just giving it all 
like they just know the right people they make yeah. one video boom mm -hmm. and then you on me on the other hand i feel like we've grinded and grinded yeah. and worked and worked and worked we for no years. boobs to put in any thumbnails uh, no so but we really if we've got something we've earned it pretty yeah. much you know so mm. yeah uh, is there a point where you've ever been frustrated in the like in terms of your own personal journey public speaking ability to articulate myself like i was so bad at that so but i think what I've learned to do is just get great people and just find great people in the world, like almost by any means necessary. So bad at public speaking, find someone that's brilliant and just get in front of them. And just like that proper gritty mentality of just, mm. can you please teach me? And like, mm. maybe I've yeah. got something that can offer to you. And I'm very inquisitive. So everyone that I meet, I try and learn something from, because again, it just helps. And I think it makes a big, big difference. If you look um, at your old YouTube videos, by the way, I mean, you are night and day, right. like okay. three, four years ago. You look like a mess. <laughs> no, but it's just like, like you're saying, you're a bit wooden, you're yeah. a bit robotic, and now... Slightly less wooden, slightly <laughs> less robotic, no, that's the same honestly, as Honestly, mate, I can see the work that's gone in, and it's paying off, so well done. Hmm. I guess that ties in with the next question, but I want this to be more of a personal hmm. answer. How would you like to be remembered? I think I would like to be, again, I want to be remembered as someone that has left the world in a better place than sort of like when I came into it that's really important to me like my personal ambitions are you know they're big I want to I want to improve the lives of as many people as possible and um, so far I've done that professionally through Gymshark in the future I think I'll continue to do that through Gymshark and I'd like to you know do things from a personal perspective as well um, but yeah ultimately I want um, I want to be the sort of dad that when I do die my kids are like super proud of me and proud of what I achieved wow Good interview, mate. I appreciate it. It's Thanks been, for sitting uh, down, man. It's been a good chat. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Cheers, boys. Um, so, yeah, don't forget, um, if you want to check out Gymshark website in the description below, hit the like button, subscribe to the True Jordy YouTube channel for more podcasts, and we'll see you later. Cheers.